name is Jerry Watkins, host of World Music Views, and you're now tuned into the Urban Caribbean Music Edition. Caribbean music is the heartbeat of the world, and the recording industry is the heartbeat of the region. In these episodes, I will take you on a journey on how Caribbean music and culture is impacting the world. Let's go! Hi, I'm Taurus Ryan, and I'm here to tell you, this inflation thing is important. High inflation is a wicked thing. And we must abolish it like slavery. We want inflation low so we can plan and prosper. But if it drop too low, we can't grow. All the high prices that mean me harm. Hey, they can go back where they came from. No inflation monster. Child prosper. So that middle ground is what we want. Low, stable, and predictable inflation. Because low, stable, and predictable inflation is to the economy like what the baseline is to reggae music. Listen up! Like low and stable inflation of the rock economy. A message by Bank of Jamaica. My name is J.R. Watkins, host of World Music Views, and you're now listening to Urban Caribbean Music Podcast. Caribbean music is the heartbeat of the world, and the recording industry, which includes music, film, and advertising, is the heartbeat of the region. Every episode, I will take you on a journey of how Caribbean music and culture is impacting the world. The following contains adult language, content, and description of actions that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, my brethren. Hold on. Yes, brother. You can hear me good? Yeah man, yeah man, it's a pleasure to hear your voice. Where's the man where's the man in the world right now? Miami at the moment. Miami, my place, my place, big up. And we're streaming worldwide on Spotify, iTunes, all the top platforms in the world we're streaming right now. So it's a pleasure to have you, Mr. Marley. Damien Junior Gong Marley, ladies and gentlemen. Right, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, I want to start from the beginning because I have been wanting to interview you for a long time, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to start with how you entered the music business and give the, especially young people who are into reggae now, and, and, and some may not even be into reggae, they're into dancehall and some other things, how Junior Gang came onto the scene. Well, um... Of course, it goes without saying that my family, you know, has been in the music business even before I was born. You know what I mean? So I grew up around my brothers and sisters doing music and, of, of course, my father and these things. Um, but really, for me, it, it kind of started as being a fan, especially of dancer music. You know, 80s dancer music is the first music that I started to buy for myself. And because of imitating people who I was a fan of was how I started to want to perform for myself. You know what I mean? This would be people like 
Tiger, Peter Metro, Ninja Man, Shabarang, Supercat, you know, that, that kind of era of artists. Um, so, you know, I used to, like I said, I used to listen to the music and wanted to be like them. And then, um, you know, we started a group with a friend, one of my childhood friends who I grew up with, who is the son of Catcore from Third World. His name is Shayakor, and we started a group together called The Shepherds. So we started doing shows in Kingston, with like Mother's Day events and you know, children's birthday party and you know so forth. Until until we ended up, you know, gaining enough momentum to, to open up with Reggae Sunsplash when Sunsplash was still going on. We opened up, you know, Sunsplash. So that's really how my entrance into the music business is, you know was. What is your take on the live music culture for reggae music? And where do you see it going? And, and, and do you admire where it's coming from, where it is, and where it's going? And where, what's your opinion on it? Well, um, hopefully, we hopefully there will be more events. You know, over the years, a lot of our annual events have gone away because of lack of sponsorship or for whatever reason. So hopefully, we'll, we'll have some more annual events because a great way to experience the music. For me, like I said again, that was a big part of my inspiration of becoming an artist, you know what I mean? Was when I was a kid, I used to go to like a sunsplash and watch these people perform. So, and, and it's a great, um, it's great for the island, it's great for the culture, it's great for our tourism, and it's great for help branding our culture of reggae music. And, and you, mentioned, you mentioned something earlier when you said um, artists and you said reggae artists or even dancehall artists. To me, it's all one in the same skill, you know. Because originally dancehall was a place, it was a venue, and whatever music was played in that venue is where you consider dancehall music. And of course, of course, the genre has evolved where you have you know original root sounding music compared to where you have now as modern dancehall, where you call dancehall. But it still falls under the umbrella of reggae in terms of Jamaican culture, reggae music. You know what I mean? So you don't make a distinction between the two. I believe it's one family. Just, just like hip hop, fast hip hop, slow hip hop, etc. Yeah, it's still hip hop, you know what I mean? So you still have hip hop from the 80s, Slick Rick and, and those kind of artists, the way I have now, which is like trap, so, you know what I'm called, trap. But it's still, it's still all underneath hip hop genre of music, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that makes sense. That, that makes a lot yeah. of sense because there was a. There's a recent um, survey that I did because um, I do a, a world music views chart that I curate the streaming numbers in the Caribbean, Dubai, US, UK, um, and Canada. And I found that persons are listening to, as you said, the, the, the modern version of reggae, which is dancehall. It's the speeded version of it. And not so much the root. Um, that's in the Caribbean, though. Worldwide, persons are listening to the roots more than... The, the, the modern version, which is what we call dancehall. How do you suggest that the roots man get some of the market, um, especially the up and coming reggae artists, get some of the market that's available for reggae, both locally and internationally? Let us keep putting out good music. Um, and of course, I think you have, you have to kind of have to mingle amongst the people, you know what I mean? Collaborate with people, go to the venues, go to the events that, you know, you're trying to reach, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> go to the dance halls. Sometimes, even when, sometime when, I go, when I'm in Jamaica and, and I go out in the nighttime, 
a lot of the times I don't see a lot of the roots artists. I see, you know, the dancehall artists going out to the dance and to the events, but I don't see a lot of the roots artists out in, in the streets. You know what I mean? So, you know, to, to be a part of the culture in all different ways will help. You know what I mean? But again, the most important thing is just putting out good music because still I do feel that we, even in the Caribbean, Caribbean right now, a lot of the young roots acts, their music is highly appreciated. You know what I mean? So I think there's still a, a resurgence of that energy right now. You, you have been one of them who you put out albums. Um, you don't put out an album every year, but you are, you're, part, you're definitely part of album culture. Do you think albums still have a place in reggae dancehall or it's a singles market? Uh, albums still have a place. Albums still have a place. It's always nice to get a body of work and people still listen to albums and are still excited about albums. But I think nowadays, realistically, there's no rules or there's no right way to do it anymore or, or one way to do it. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, nowadays, it's, it's almost like in, in these times, it's almost like the more creative the approach is, the better. You know what I mean? So you're not binded by having to put out an album. You can put out an EP or can just put out four songs. Because people still ex- can experience the songs as singles anyhow. You know what I mean? But, mm. um, but, to, put out, but to put out a body of work, is, is, it still means something. And of course, it, it's, if you're promoting an album, you're driving traffic to more songs at once than if you're just promoting a single. You know what I mean? So it helps you in that way too. And that's what we've been... And, and you, you have been a serial collaborator. You collaborate with some of the greatest in the world. Um, Jay-Z, most notably, Bam, that took the entire world by storm, and you performed with Jay-Z. Gangsta no live in a tenement, yeah, no. Good boy no live in a tenement, yeah. Too much watch you, watch you, watch you. Too much so, 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 so. Them chatty, chatty, chatty. Them so, 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 so. It's influenced a lot of what we do. Like, our whole genre is birthed out of yeah. traditions out of reggae, number one. It's the essence of us borrowing from our ancestors, but recreating it and representing it. And it's like, that's who we are. It's, it's, that's where we come from. We are vessels, right? We're whistles. The wind goes through us. We make the noise. What was that experience like, recording with Jay-Z, performing with Jay-Z? And, and what's the relationship like with you and Jigaman? Yeah, it was a good experience, a cool experience. I'm a fan of his music. I've been a fan of his music for years. Um, met him and had conversations with him a couple times over the years before ever doing any music with him. You know what I mean? But of course, um, I was honored to, to, to have been considered to be a part of his project. You know what I mean? Of course, like, I said, like I said, again, I'm a fan of his music. and Jay-Z is definitely one of the legends of our time when it comes down to modern music. Um, you know, so it was, a, it was a great experience. And and bam, um, what did that do for your career? Um, I noticed that you're one of the top streaming artists, definitely in Jamaica. You're among what we call the hundred million club. You're up there with you, Sean Paul, um, Shaggy, Stephen Marley, Taurus Riley. You're up there in the hundred million club streaming catalog. Um, what did bam specifically do for your career? How did it impact you? I can't really say BAM specifically did anything notable where I could point to and say, okay, it, it did this or that. You know what I mean? I think just consistently releasing good music is what really does it. Um, and of course, I've had various other collaborations with other great artists over the years that every mickle make a muckle, you know what I mean? 
So I don't think every, I don't think there's any one thing that you'd point to and say, well, this is it. But I think everything added up is what really make the, the body of work what it is. You know what I mean? And what about reggae being sold? Do you think reggae music is getting the the reach that it needs to reach to sell the kind of record that it should sell? Um, what is, what is your take on reggae numbers right now? Well, I think that with streaming, you know, when you talk about sell records, that's really a thing of the past. You know, I think as the years goes on, I mean, sooner or later, I've been hearing that iTunes is going to close down their music store where you don't buy the singles anymore. It's just going to be strictly streaming. You know what I mean? So streaming is really, streaming is really the future. And that really opens up a lot of opportunities for reggae music. You know what I mean? Because even even within within the Caribbean, we never traditionally buy albums anyway. You know what I mean? But everybody is now streaming. So you can put out a you can put you can upload something on even say for example YouTube. You can upload something on YouTube. And just within the Caribbean you can amass millions of streams. Let alone start talking about Europe and America and other places. So the streaming has helped to validate our numbers within our own reggae core market. You understand what I'm saying? And then, of course, you don't need a big machinery right now to try to get record physical copies in stores. So, uh, you that is working in Kingston and putting together some music, with the, with the click of a button, can upload this music for the world to have access to. You know what I mean? And that is going to be a benefit to, to musicians, whether in Jamaica or wherever you are. You know what I mean? So what you just reasoned is has been part of my reasoning, and that's why I started World Music Views on TVJ because I realized the Billboard numbers were in the thousands, but the streaming numbers, um, which is a more accurate depiction of how people are consuming the music, are in the hundreds of thousands and millions. Um, so are you well, saying, based on what you just said, that the Billboard chart is irrelevant? No, I'm not saying that at all, because keep in mind, Billboard does consider streaming. So even when you think of our music and say it's a hundred of, of millions, well, if you compare that to a pop record, pop record is in billions. You see what I'm saying? So it's still relevant because everything is, they still have a, they still have a system of how they consider, okay, a certain number of, of streams, um, you know, would, would equate to a record sale or re- yeah. equate to one of their units on Billboard, however they, you know what I mean? But they have a formula. So it's, so it's still the same formula that they, they use for all genres. So it's still relevant. Even though it's and not... Tidal. It's not... Huh? Yeah, no, go no, ahead. No, so even though it's not one record sale per scan or per unit, what you're seeing now, as it used to be, but they still have a, like I said, they still have an equation where they use for all genres. Yeah. So if Tidal is one of the, the platforms that pays the most, and I noticed that you have a, a deal with Tidal, tell us about that deal and do you encourage other artists to broker deals such as that? Well, the deal with Tidal that I have, I was approached. Um, this is something like, for example, like I was saying, I had some conversations with Jay Z before doing music with him. The, the, the deal with Tidal was one of those conversations where I was approached by his camp and I went and sat down and had a meeting with them. And what they invited me to be a part of is an artist owner. So basically, they offered me some shares to, to be a part of Tidal and to support Tidal. And then in return, they would have exclusive 
uh, my music exclusively for a certain amount of time. So, for example, if I release a video now, you may notice for the first week or two weeks, it's only untitled. So this, yeah, so this is that. not right. So this is not necessarily this is not necessarily the typical deal that they would strike with with an artist. They're doing a, a deal now. So I don't I don't know of them really just doing random deals with people. You know what I mean? In that, is, in that kind of really because of your clout as Damian Marley, the, the first who have the impact all over the world. Well, you said that. I didn't say that. But this was an opportunity that presented itself to me and I was glad for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, do you think, you said streaming is going to take over. Do you think there is a space um, for artists to start their own streaming companies? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, depending on how much music you have and the bandwidth, because there's a technical, you know, the computer tech side of it is not something I could really comment on where it comes down to servers and whatever else you need to, to make it happen. But the, but the thing where you wouldn't benefit from that is because you wouldn't get the traffic of others, you see? So... Mm -hmm. When you have when you have millions of people accessing Tidal or, or iTunes or Spotify or wherever it be, you you will only have your die-hard fans checking out your streaming website, as opposed to being able to, for example, then okay, if if someone is a fan of mine, perhaps by looking to check out my music, they may stumble across my nephew's song, and then therefore my nephew get exposure from that also. You get a message? So, so you kind of lack the traffic is, is where the problem may lie when it comes down to trying to do your own streaming. But it's a possibility. You can, I mean... But maybe know. there could be a reggae streaming site then to support reggae. It's possible. But Damon, you, you don't drop albums often and people want albums. I, for one, have bought literally physical copies of all of your albums because I, I think they will be worth something later on. Um... We don't drop albums often. Are we going to see Damien dropping albums more often? Seeing that that's the, that's the energy of music right now, where artists are dropping, even the greats are dropping albums over and over. Are you still going to keep your mystique according to that line <laughs> and Sony? Well, no. I would definitely like to drop some music of my own um, more often on a more regular basis. So even 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 this month, I'm going into the studio to go do some work on what is going to be my next album. So hopefully we can even get something finished and, and out on the road this year, if not then early next year. But definitely working toward releasing music more regularly. Um, and it's not really purpose why I was so long in between solo projects. You know, it just so happened that I was working on a lot of other things in the meantime. I, as the years go on, I get more involved and interested in producing other artists. And I did a lot of that in between my last two projects. And I did an album with Naz, and I did one with Mick Jagger and a whole crew of people, and you know, over there. So, <laughs> so, you know, but I was, I've been busy, you know what I mean? So in that kind of case, still releasing music, not always solo material. But as we said, though, over the next few years, I would like to release a few solo albums of my own. Who, who does Damon Junior Gang Marley listen to? All kind of music, man. All kind of things. Right, and that's the time you find it. Who do you listen to today? Uh, 
Yo, I've, it, you see, tell you the honest truth, you see, a lot of the times we end up listening to the music that we're working on. So, you know, 75% of the music when we listen happens to be a lot of the time the music that we're working on in the studio to make sure that things are right and, you know, double-checking and stuff. But but listen to the radio. So whoever is on the radio up here, um, a song, if you want to call out a song that, that I'm a fan of, is Coffee, Toast. Man. Right, like a tune yeah, I get you that part. <laughs> oh, which is right. Which is right. That's really nice. Yeah, I like her too. Um, you are one of the top, or if not the top act in reggae. Definitely the numbers speak for reggae music in particular. You're at the top of the game. Um, if you could, could make some legislative changes to how music is governed in Jamaica and the Caribbean, what would you do to, to assist in making the music more relatable? In light of this UNESCO designation of reggae being an intangible cultural piece of heritage? Well, I mean, um, legislative, I don't know if I would use that word, but I mean, for me, for example, I definitely think the, the nice abatement act that whole situation going on in Jamaica is something that definitely needs proper attention. You know, I understand that you have to have respect residential zones, people have work in the morning. But Jamaican reggae music, the culture of it means so much to our brand as brand Jamaica. That is important to keep and nurture that music and keep that music alive. And it also feeds a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, it, a lot of people is their living is based upon those parties that happen in the nighttime and this kind of thing, you know? So it really needs some addressing. Um, also, you know, I, I think that you still have to have venues that and places where you can have freedom of speech too. So a lot of the times when, you know, over the years, them get really strict now about censoring artists and saying, well, you can't say this, or you can't cuss, or you can't do certain things. I'm not really too like that neither because just as we have to be free to be able to pray and pray to who we want to, we have to be free to be able to cuss who we want to and cuss when we want also. You understand? Yeah. So I don't, do like, I don't like the censorship, you know, in that case. Yeah. Um, otherwise than that, I think that this, we can really, I think we should really investigate and take a page out of the K-pop movement. You know, the, the Korean government made um, very direct moves toward, you know, um, fueling their music industry and having, and, and, you know, having themselves, their music become a part of modern pop culture. And it's been a big deal for them, you know what I mean? And when we talk about in Jamaica, well, you know, we want some support from the government toward music and this kind of thing. Well, what exactly are we speaking about? What, what are the details of that? I we need to kind of even look to some other places that have done that and see what worked and what didn't and, you know, what we can learn from them, you know. So it's really, really investment in the culture, which I don't think is a legislative change, like I said before, but investment into the culture is, is needed. I asked Junior Gong his thoughts about the Grammys. I think you have to be careful with this Grammys thing, because it's not, really music is not a competition and, um, you know, somebody winning doesn't mean that somebody else has lost, you know? Mm. And, right, and there's a lot of great music that gets put out every year, and then we reach to this point now, you get a lot of tension and a lot of, you know, 
unfair criticism sometimes because it becomes a race and becomes a competition. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. good music being put out, and we're, we're fans of all music, and I think whoever wins deserves to win. Ziggy is somebody who has been representing our genre, you know, steadily, consistently over the years. Um, he's, like, like I said, I was saying to someone else earlier, he's not always seen in Jamaica, you know what I mean? But that don't mean that he's not representing reggae music and representing Jamaica when he's out there touring and doing what he does internationally. And the man constantly stays working. And constantly release music of a certain quality and integrity. And it goes without saying. So, you know what I mean? Um, if someone else wins, I think they would have deserved to have won also. I think everyone is deserving of the opportunity to win. Junior Gong, it was lovely talking to you, Bridget. Maximum respect. Really insightful. If you want to hear all the songs mentioned in this episode, go stream them now on your favorite music streaming platform. Hi, I'm Taurus Riley, and I'm here to tell you, this inflation thing is important. High inflation is a wicked thing, and we must abolish it like slavery. We want inflation low, so we can plan and prosper. But if it drop too low, we can't grow. All the high prices that mean me harm, hey, they can go back where they came from. No inflation monster shall prosper. So that middle ground is what we want. Low, stable, and predictable inflation. Because low, stable, and predictable inflation is to the economy like what the baseline is to reggae music. Listen up! Like low and stable inflation of the rock economy. A message by Bank of Jamaica.